0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. All right, habits of the heart is our series, and uh, like Jaden had said in the in the uh, church news, that this book is this this series is based on the book uh, Habits of the Household, which you can get. Which I would, if you have a household, I would highly recommend that you get it, because uh, habits make a big difference in our in our homes, don't they? And uh, what we're doing in this series is exploring how habits and practices affect our heart and our households, our lives, and uh, even our workplaces, our, our places of employment, our, our jobs, our, our social environments, whatever those look like right now, our habits affect everything. And uh, the in the in the book Habits of uh, the Habits of the Household, he, uh, the author Justin Whitmell Early says makes this great statement. He says the household is a school of love. We are teaching uh, we are teaching our children how to not just how to love, but how to experience love. We're teaching, but it's also teaching us how to love. And uh, the, any household, whether, whether it's a nuclear family or it's just a group of people that you just happen to co-reside in a residence together, that it, it's teaching you how to love. Because something happens when we have to exist with other people. There's things like conflict, opinions. There's, I know we, nobody has opinions. <laughs> nobody ever takes a stance for an opinion. And uh, this is where, this is, the, our household is where we learn to process emotion. It's where we learn to process trouble. It's where we learn how to, it's where we learn how to get along with one another. This is where we learn to deal with conflict is our household, isn't it? Yeah. There's a big. There's a term we hear lots, and uh, Monica talked about this on Thursday night. This, the term, the family of origin, or if you, you say it like Monica, it's origin. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to just get a <laughs> just a little dig in there. But the family of origin, and it's a big term because experts re- recognize that just how powerful our household is in, our, in the formation of our character and our lives and our emotions and the way that, really the way that we will go through life. Our family of origin has a huge influence on that. And so we want to provide, as, as parents... I want as as a parent I want to provide the best uh what would you say the best foundation I possibly can yeah. for my children but also recognize that I ne- because I realize I am not good enough right. Yeah, right. I'm not good enough right. like I will not leave my children perfect when I'm done yeah. and so it's I it's the habits uh, of these habits of formation and the, these, these habits that uh, we're teaching in our homes, there's a big part in here where I need to recognize I need them. I need to pass on faith. I need to pass on a relationship or what it means to, to, uh, to trust in God because if, if all they get is what they get from me, they're g- going to be broken because I'm broken. And so it's uh, recognizing, wanting to bring deep, to form deep spiritual strength in their lives, and and uh, you know there there's to a certain degree we can't give what we don't have. We can't give uh, if 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 I if I can't deal with conflict, I can't give good conflict resolution skills to my children. Isn't this true? We can't give what we don't have. And so uh, kind of in the basis of this book is that, is that to recognize that as a parent, we need, to, we need to also be pursuing good habits in our own life because we can't give our kids habits we don't possess. We can't teach them what we don't already know. And so uh, the, today's, today's message is, is called Waking Up and, uh, or Awaken, And, uh, you know, the first responsibility we have to our household or the first responsibility we have to those that we're in relationship is actually that we wake up, that we become aware, that we wake up. Now, a few years ago, so this must have been about 10 years ago, or more than that, maybe even 20 years ago. It was back in our old house in South Park. And uh, I had a dream that my wife had died. And I know, lovely dream to talk about on... Sunday morning, but I had a dream that Monica had died, and it was real, and if you've ever had a dream like this, that you wake up, all the emotions of the dream are still there, and so I actually woke up wiping tears out of my eyes, and uh, oh man, I've just turned into a softie, That's when the testosterone starts leaving the body. (laughs) All that's left is the girly things. (laughs) So all you 30-year-olds, just enjoy your anger while it's still there, because all the emotions your wife dealt with when she was 15 are on their way. You just get to experience it all. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Anyways, for the rest of the day, I was sad. Like, and, and it actually lasted for a few days. And uh, even though I knew Monica was still alive, the, the power of this story had influence over my life. And, you know, there, there's, brain experts teach us if we hear a lie enough times, we'll begin to believe it's true. Yeah. If you repeat a lie enough times you'll begin to believe it's true. But even in our own lives, if we begin to tell our, lie, our ourselves a lie enough times, we'll begin to believe it's true. And so some of us, we've lived with stories that are untrue for so long that we've come to believe them as true. And... What happens is when we believe a story that's not true, all the emotions that accompany that story begin to settle in, to, to reinforce that untruth. Unrealities are untruths like, I'm a failure. I don't have willpower. God is angry with me. God could never use me. I could never be a good parent. I'll never be fill in the blank. Those are untruths. And you say, well, how do you know they're untruths? Well, because I can go to the book of truth and I can read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that means anything where I say I can't, I'm wrong. Anything to which I say I will never be able, that's I am actually speaking an untruth out loud. Or I am reinforcing an untruth in my life. And so... Even though something may not be true, it can still have power over us as if it was true. If we allow it to, if we allow it to have that power over us. And we, you've heard the illustrations of the circus, the circus animals, particularly the elephant. That when an, an elephant is, is born, the first thing they do is take a rope and tie it around the elephant's neck. And then they drive it into a stake. Or they, do, they tie it to a stake that's driven into the ground, and that little elephant will pull and pull and pull, and there's nothing that it, it can't get free. But then as, once, once it has given up, it will never try again to pull free from that stake, even though as it grows up from a few hundred pounds to you know, a 5,000-pound elephant that could easily pull the stake out of the ground. For the rest of its life, that elephant can be tied, kept in place by a rope to the stake because it came to believe that it wasn't strong enough to conquer. And so the first thing that I want to talk about today is awakening, awakening to truth. This is what Paul said, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What's Paul saying here? He's saying, I... I'm praying that your eyes on the inside will awaken to the reality of the promise that's in Christ for you. I pray that your eyes would be open to the greatness of the riches that we have in Christ. Or to put it in my words, I pray that you would wake up from the untrue story around you to the reality of Christ in you. In the book, Habits of the Household, Justin Whitmull early writes, one of the great questions of life is whether we are awake to reality as it actually is or we live in alternate realities that abound with lies. The stakes are high for the truth of God's reality will always set us free, but lies like monsters will always enslave us to constant fear. As parents, we must begin an, exam- an examination of the habits of the household by looking at our own habits Because after all, we become our habits and our kids become us. And this examination begins with the habits of waking. Waking is an incredible thing. We spend hours of our lives unconscious and vulnerable. Then when we open our eyes and try to relocate ourselves in reality, where are we? What time is it? What do we have to do today? What is going on with the world? Who are we? How do we feel about ourselves? What are we worth? See, what determines what we're conscious to? What what determines the, the story that we tell ourselves? Well, what we what we're conscious to is det- it's it's really the stories that we choose to expose ourselves to. The stories that we the stories we expose ourselves to are. are yeah. That's what we begin to become aware of. And then it's be what we begin to look for. It's what we begin to reinforce. It's like, it's like when, you, when you buy a new vehicle. And you think, well, I haven't seen many of these. For us, you know, the blue Camry. Yeah. You think, well, there's not that many blue Camrys out there when you buy it. And then you get it. And you, like, drive it off the lot. And you, like, pass 17 blue Camrys on your way home. Well, why? Was it because a whole bunch of people went out and bought blue Camrys on the same day? No, it's because something happened that we became aware of blue Camrys, and then after that, all we look for is blue Camrys. The stories we believe are the ones that we hear the most. They're oftentimes, the more we hear them, the more we look for them. So it's important we're hearing and looking for the right stories. John Mark Comer writes this, for for ideas, good or bad, to reshape our lives, they have to get into our hearts. The deep centers of our beings that integrate our thoughts, emotions, and desires, and from there into our bodies and our muscle memory, or in, in more Christian language, into our souls. You know, the ideas that we're noticing... We need to be intentional about what we're noticing. We need to be intentional about what we're exposing ourselves to. We need to be intentional. We need to awaken to the stories that we're telling ourselves. Let me ask you the question, what story do you habitually rehearse? And is this story setting you free, or is it enslaving you? Here's a question you can talk about at lunch for a nice light conversation. How has the story I've been rehearsing led me to the reality that I'm experiencing now? And what is the cost to me if I continue to tell myself that story? See, we all, we all have a story that we're telling ourselves. And we all have stories that we tell ourselves that are, that are actually anti-Christ. They're actually against... They, they're actually stories that are in direct opposition to the message of Jesus. To, the, to what he has declared over our lives. And it, what is Antichrist? Is it like this, you know, two-headed devil that... No, Antichrist is anything, any story that's told that just leaves out Jesus. Any story that's told, any story we tell ourselves, any, any, any story that we, we believe that leaves out Jesus. And our stories, they're powerful. They have a gravitational pull to them. You say that 99% of your thoughts in a day are repeated thoughts. In other words, you're not having new thoughts every day. And they, and they say, I, I might have the numbers wrong, but it's a super high percentage. Something like 80% of the thoughts we have in a day are negative. So neg- negativity has, has a gravitational pull to it. We have to to get out of that, we actually have to be very deliberate in the stories we tell ourselves and the stories that we choose to expose ourselves and listen to and believe. See what is the story that you tell yourself? Or what is the story that we're living? If upon waking the first thing I do is check my phone for messages or emails from work. I'm reinforcing a story that says I am my performance. If I start my day by viewing social media, I'm enforcing a story that leaves me enslaved to comparison and envy. Do I measure up to other people's lives? When I start with the news, I'm enforcing a story that can leave me enslaved to anger or outrage or fear. The story of how our world is broken and hopeless, or how I should be mad at others who don't get it. When I start with a to-do list, I'm reinforcing a story of busyness. And spiritually and intellectually, like, I might know that these stories aren't true. But if I tell them to myself long enough, all the emotions of the wrong story will begin to establish themselves. And I may intellectually know I am not just a to-do list, but if all I do every morning is start a to-do list, I will start to live as if I am just performing jobs, not a human being. Luke chapter 8, Jesus said to his disciples, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret, hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. But to those without a listening heart, my words are merely stories. And even though they have eyes, they're blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. We need more than just to be intellectually aware of God's purpose and God's work in our lives. But the, there needs to be some, that, a, a deeper hunger for the truth, a listening ear, a heart that's inclined to his story, a story of faith over fear. Man, we need that right now. Yeah. A story of faith over fear. You know, faith and fear are actually the same belief. Faith and fear are the same thing. Faith, listen to this, this is the definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things you've hoped for and the absolute conviction that there are realities that you have never seen. Hebrews 11.1. Well, fear is the assurance of things you have dreaded and the absolute conviction of realities you've never seen. Fear is the assurance of things you've hoped for did I say that right? Faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for. Fear is the assurance of things you have dreaded. It's the same, it's the same muscle. It's just it's the story that's different. One's a story of hope. And one's a story of dread. And the dread is easier, isn't it? The dread is an easier story to support. But that's why faith is so important. Hebrews 11, it says, Faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see into the future. And as he's dying, he prophesied about the exodus, exodus of Israel out of Egypt and gave instructions that his bones were to be taken from Egypt, Egypt with them. So in other words, he knew he would not see the reality of what he was believing for. But nonetheless, he, he said, you know what, just drag my dead body along with you and bury it. (laughs) Bury it in the promised land because you will get there 400 years later. But they got there. Faith caused Joseph to tell a different story. And faith causes us to awaken to what is, but also to tell a story that's different than sometimes what we see or what we believe even. And to speak, to speak what God wants to see happen. So waking up, waking up. How many of you have a wake-up routine that you do the same thing every day? What's one of the first things you do when you get up? I heard about 18 coffees there. (laughs) Coffee is pretty quick on the list. It's not first on my list. Usually something I won't say in front of, brush the teeth. You do. But you know one of my favorite things, it's not so favorite right now because it doesn't work till about 9 30 in the morning, but one of my favorite things to do in the morning is just like whip open the curtains. Just whip them open and just let sunlight hit my face. Now my wife, she's kind of the opposite. She's got all the lights dimmed in the morning. Like as soon as I walk if, she, if she, once she's up, though, then the, like those windows are open. It's going to get bright in there really quick. We have routines. Coffee is a routine. You know, in our spirit, we need wake-up routines. We need to have, have wake-up routine, routines. We need to teach our children how to have wake-up routines in life. Teach our chil- children how to observe, observe our habits, but also invite them into them. You know, sometimes we wonder, do, little, do, do all these little habits or practices we talk about matter? And there's actually, it's the little habits that matter the most. It's the little things we do from day to day that matter the most. And so here's some wake-up routines for your spirits, just a couple First of all, my favorite, let in the light. Let in the light. And, uh, you know, we've talked about some different things that can help do. This one is scripture before phone. Or I would even move that on to scripture before media or scripture before entertainment or scripture before to-do lists, scripture before answering emails, or maybe that takes the form of just pausing for prayer. Before you start your day, pausing for prayer, before you start your to-do list, or start replying to emails, or replying to texts, it's let the light in first. Let the light in first. Great statement. I don't know where this statement came from. It's out of a book, one of the books I have read. But, But it says this, the human condition is to be uncertain about our identity, and because we are not sure who we are when we look at emails or social media, or ti- our tired hearts cannot help but look to see if there is something there to fill the void. Great statement here. Is, social media is like a toxic relationship. <laughs> we need to get out of it. <laughs> social media is like a toxic... And, and we know this, don't we? Like we just... Social media has some... Some great benefits, but it, it's, also, it's also got some huge dangers to us. That if we're allowing that to form our stories, it's going to be dangerous. Are we intentional about the stories we expose ourselves to, or do we let our algorithms, or the, the algorithms choose for us? Do we let Facebook decide the story we will tell us? Do we let, are we going to let Facebook Decide the stories our children are going to hear. Starting with Scripture reminds us that God is first and allows us to hear His word, His counsel, His, His desire before we hear the world's desire before we hear the algorithm's desire. Starting with prayer before your day reminds you that you're not just here to do things. You're here to be in relationship. You're here to be in relationship with God, but we're also in relationship with one another. We're community. So start by lighting the, letting the light in, and then there, there's this another spiritual practice or a, a practice that you can... Um, that you can do that. This one resonated with me. I read about this, and I didn't even know this was a practice until a couple of weeks ago when I was reading it. I, And I thought, this is, this is great, because this is actually something I do. And it's, it's called Ajira Contra. And you say, well, what in the world is that? Well, just give me a moment, and I'll tell you exactly what it is. And this is Saint Ag- Ignatius of Loyola. He had this practice he called Ajira Contra. And it literally means acting against, acting against. And, and this is how it goes. It's actively rejecting old patterns that keep us stuck. So it's taking an, inten- an intentional action to act against what he would call unfreedoms. Or, or things in our life, it's almost like little stories that we go through in life. We take we take an an action to specifically act against it. And when you find yourself confronting an unfreedom, you free yourself by acting in the opposite way. And it rests on the idea that we can name whatever's owning us and driving our behavior or our old story, and we can actively choose to live in a different story. Acting against awakens us to the pull of these old stories and allows us to move into a new story of grace, favor, and faith. It's recognizing the stories that keep us stuck and choosing intentionally to move into a new story. And uh, here's, here's some examples. If, you, if you're prone to discouragement or complaining, then you, what a jira contra is when you is your you take an intentional step to say i am going to praise something or i am going to compliment but i'm not going to complain i'm going to take an active if you have a if you're prone to feeling a lack of faith or hope then you intentionally spend time in prayer speaking words of faith and hope it's being intentional to go against the story that you don't want reinforced if, you're, if you find yourself prone to procrastinating, that wouldn't be anybody here, I'm sure, then you take the intentional step of saying, I will start something first. And how this looks in the home is, uh, or even in the workplace, and this is I think it's important, even as parents, we teach our kids how to do hard things. How to, how to take this act against stance that if something is difficult, conquer it. it, it there's, I don't know where the saying came from, but there's that old saying, eat the frog. Does anybody know that one? <laughs> okay, I got this saying. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just called eat the frog. And basically, it's like, do the hardest thing that you have to do first thing in the day. Like if, and it's like, eating a frog is hard. That's the, kind of the, the point. It's like, if you have to eat a frog today, when's the best time to eat the frog? Like, right now, just eat the frog. I don't know. I don't know where that, it's not mine, but but I've heard it. And so in the home, it might look something like this kids, we're going, to, we're going to go swimming and have a pizza lunch. But before we do that, we're cleaning the house. So you're, you're doing the hard thing first. It's, you're acting against, because we all want to just go swim and have the pizza. I remember my, my mother motivated me once by, uh, I, I struggled with math. In uh, elementary school, I struggled quite a bit with math, and you know, all the all the class had learned their times tables, and I still was like stuck at my four times. And my mom said, my mom said to me, if you will, if you will get 100% on your times table tests, I'll give you 40 bucks. Now this is like 1982. 40 boxes like the equivalent of about $10,000 today. <laughs> <laughs> but see my 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 parents did figure out I was a bit of, a bit of a money motivated individual as a kid. Like I liked to be able to get things. And that it's like I was convinced I was stupid at math. But that 40 bucks, it's like, well, I can memorize the times tables for 40 bucks, and sure enough, I got it. And then something happened. Math started to to become easy. And in grade that was in grade six, by grade seven, I was an honors kid in math for the rest of junior high and high school. All because my mom. She, she helped motivate me to the Ajira Contra. Tackle something hard. Go against. You think you're dumb in math. You're not actually dumb in math, but you haven't eaten the frog yet. <laughs> this will make no sense. <laughs> it's like a sound bite. <laughs> You know, a lot of us are telling stories to ourselves because we just aren't willing to eat the frog. Do the hard thing or go against the story we've been telling ourselves. Intentionally just say, I'm going to name this as a lie. Say, well, I don't have motivation. We all have motivation. We all have exactly the same amount of motivation. Some of us are, have learned to channel it and some of us have not. But when we start to do the hard things, it it begins to teach us, it begins to teach us that that there's a different story that we can choose to live in. Let's stand up. Ephesians 5.14 Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine light on you. Christ will shine light on you. That is not a verse written to people who don't know Jesus. That is a verse written to the church. Wake up, sleeper. And I just, let's just pray. Father, I pray you would help us wake up. Where we have been asleep to your truth, where we have been asleep to your story, where we've been asleep to your promise, I pray we would wake up and we wouldn't let the world put us to sleep. We wouldn't let the the stories that we hear around us put us to sleep, but that we would awaken to your promise, awaken to your favor, awaken to your grace, and that we would take action against the story, against the stories that we tell ourselves that are untruths and unfreedoms, the things, the stories we tell ourselves that just leave you out, that leave out Jesus. And that we would we would begin to just let the light in, the light of your word, the light of your promise, the light of your hope, the light of your restoration, the light of your redemption. That you've come to set our, you've come to, to, to set us into lives of freedom into your presence and we just we just speak against any story that would try and take us out of that story thank you father and i just want to pray another prayer and it's a prayer maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here and you've never really been awake to the fact that god has a plan for me god has a purpose for me Maybe you're here today saying, you know what? I'd like to be a part of that plan and purpose. We're going to pray one last prayer here this morning, and it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus, yes to his plan, yes to his purpose. And if you want to be included in that, whether you're in here or you're watching online, you can just pray with me as we pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. I say yes to your plan and your purpose for my life, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to know your truth about me and my life and my future. Would you come into my life now? Give me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.